Mic check, mic check. What's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martinez. Alongside me, my guest this week, Avon Greer. Dot, 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 Baden. Hello. Hi. Let's talk about that real quick. So I know professionally, I, I read about you as Avon Greer. Yes. But I met you personally from the episode that I was able to produce for you guys at WMBD and remember putting Baden out there. So what's the distinction between that? So Yvonne Greer is the name I was given. Um, got married to my husband and life partner, Greg Batten. And Good man. Professionally, my family has um, struggled. That's not professional, that's personal. Personally, I know my family had some troubles back in Detroit where I grew up. And I wanted the name Greer to be associated with great positive things. I and love so I that. told myself, I will always keep Greer in my name, even if I get married. And professionally, I did stay Greer uh, for a year or two. Um, but my husband has two kids that I uh, got as a bonus when we married, and their last name is Batten. Our son David mm. was playing hacky sack, going to school one morning, got hit by a car. The, the guy who does the music and sound stuff, right? Yes. Cool. I'm going to get him on the pod, too. I'm going to think I'm going to be your entire Excellent. family. He got movie. hit by a car? When he was a kid. Ay, pobrecito. So we go racing to Pekin Hospital because mm -hmm. they lived in Pekin at the time. Um, and I told Greg, I said, you jump out, go check on David. I'm going to park the car. I come back to the hospital after parking. And I say, I'm here to see David Batten. And they said, family only in emergency. And I said, I am family. And they said, do you have ID? My ID said Greer. Oh, that's why. And anybody who knows Greg knows that he's white and I'm African-American and I don't look like him. I had no identification. And so I don't blame somebody for asking the question. But I realized at that moment, oh, gosh, I'm going to be in the care of these two kids who don't share my name. So I thought it just responsible to change my name. So legally, I'm Yvonne Greer Batten. But then my mom was mad that I got rid of my middle name. <laughs> What's the middle name? Lynette. Lynette. Oh, that's a beautiful name. <laughs> Thank you. See, when I got into radio, I remember everybody was like, hey, you need a, a radio name, radio name. But I love my real name, Ross Martinez. That's it's like, great. it's my legal birth name. But my dad's name is Rosalio, R-O-S-A-L-I-O. Mm -hmm. So he took out the A, put an S, and split it across. So my name is Ross Leo Martinez. Love it. So I remember my pop's like, oh, you're using your real name? I'm like, yeah, it's your name, pop. Like, <laughs> I know he gets a kick. He'll he'll be driving his car, and he'll listen to the show through the app and everything, and he hears Ross Martinez. And I know that gives him the smile. So I can relate to the story of you. And that's my hope in, in keeping my name professionally is that anybody in my family comes across anything I've done that I, I do them one proud. Was that was that like a sore subject at all? Because I know some couples like, hey, I want you to take the last name. No. Or is it just like he understood as a professional? He completely like, understood. He's a great guy, Greg. He is. He's been amazing. <laughs> Since the minute I met him, he's been an uh, absolute pleasure to me. Like, this dude is always like, hey, what can I help you out with? Like, he's the unofficial mayor of Peoria. <laughs> well, thank but, you for that. But on the flip, I've heard you've been doing amazing things in Peoria, that you wear many hats. Uh, you have uh, history with media here. Mm -hmm. So take me through a little bit what you've been doing in the community. So my background, I graduated from the U of I, and while I was there, I was studying uh, broadcast journalism. Had, I had an opportunity through the minority intern program um, through the Illinois Broadcasters Association to come to Peoria as an intern. I was very excited, but I had no idea where Peoria was. So I opened the map, and I'm like, can I commute from there? And they said no. And at the time, it meant I was going to have to withdraw from school, come live in Peoria full time. But at that time, Peoria was WMBD-TV, AM, and KZ93-FM all in one building. So I was, like, salivating at the opportunity to have two radio stations and a TV station in one building, and I would be able to work for all three. Yeah. So I left school. I did the internship. Went back, completed my last semester at U of I, graduated, and they offered me a position to come back. How was that entire shift of not knowing what Peoria is or where it was? Because I've had that, too. I remember driving down seeing the windmills. I'm like, yo, where am I going? Like, how was that complete shock of, like, environment, culture, everything? You know, much of my life has been an adventure, um, so it was not uncommon for me to take on things that... I didn't have any reference points for, and that was just another one of them. 
Uh, my mother, when I was five or six years old, left me with my grandparents in Detroit, and she moved to New York to become a flight attendant. I didn't know what life was going to be like without my mom. Eventually, I did come to live with her by the time she had moved to the Chicago suburbs. Um, I didn't know anything about the Chicago suburbs at the time, so I went from a community in Detroit that was 95% black to a community in the Chicago suburbs, Forest Park, that Oak Park River Forest area that was 95% white. Complete culture shock yeah. for me, but I made my way. I'm a nice kid. I know how to make a friend. Um, and then when I graduated from middle school, I went to Proviso East in Maywood. Which you went to Proviso? Was, yes, which was, you know, again, 95% black. And then my mom got married. We moved further out west to Lombard. Again, 95% yeah. white. And it's like my life has sort of been in these cultural dichotomies. Um, and much of what I do now, I'm, I'm sort of the, the gal who can walk between the worlds and bring a few people <laughs> to get to know the others. Kind of like chameleon in a way. Like you're able to just adapt to the environments that you're in. Perhaps. I think chameleon might be a little strong with the sense that I change to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really just more, I'm comfortable in my own skin. And that level of comfort seems to lend itself to giving other people comfort to be in their own skin as well. That's an intriguing point because I remember as I'm growing up, I've also had those culture shocks where I grew up in, uh, it was Italian, Polish, uh, Asian, and Mexican environment. So I grew up with a lot of culture. And then there's certain areas of my life where I was the only Latino in the room. And I remember that was a learning process for myself where I'm like, okay, do I polish my language up? Do I stay a little bit like, <laughs> did you have those moments throughout your life? Certainly there are some, some growing pains. Um, and it's, the biggest was coming from Detroit and then moving to the Chicago suburbs because... That's a big change. I had no friend base. I mean, it was literally me, my mother, and my mother's sister. <laughs> um, we didn't have a car, so I rode a bicycle. I was kind of a nerdy kid. I was really smart, but... I was in the band and the choir. I was um, in the band. <laughs> I played the flute. How about you? Ah, uh, saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I didn't um, know we had so many like little random comparisons. <laughs> and I still had my strong Detroit dialect with me when I first moved. There wasn't anything overt against me, but you feel the difference, especially at, you know, 11, 12 years old. Um, it feels like the whole world's kind of like uh, not opposition to you but it's just it's it's foreign in a way it's different but you don't see yourself represented around you that's tough and it's it's a little disconcerting I, I wasn't you know angry I didn't have any sore feelings about it but you know miss my peeps you know yeah I mean you got used to a certain way of lifestyle mm -hmm. I mean as bluntly, bluntly as we could talk about it, 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 it's one thing I know from my perspective, going from a community where I see all Latinos all day, every day, they give my nuanced jokes, my humor, things mm -hmm. I do. And then when I moved to Peoria, like there's still times where like I'll say something in Spanish, everybody will look at me like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> so did you, you have those moments yeah, also? some of those small moments. So how um, was that trying to figure a way of not blending in but kind of um what's the verbiage i'm looking for how did i make my friends and sort of assimilate and acclimate yes. to the environment uh it was music for me music has always been a big part of my life music's an everyday part of my life um i'm always singing or listening to music or playing music or coming up with little tunes in my head um, and so I quickly joined the band and I quickly joined the choir. I quickly made friends with those teachers. Um, and then I made friends with the other people who were in the band and the other people who were in the choir. Uh, and that created a great foundation for me. So as you're finding your personality in a new environment, you start finding things to fuel your own spirit. And that just transitions to finding decent friendships. And yeah. oh, see, now what's on your playlist? Oh, gosh, I listen to a little bit of everything because I'm a personal trainer as well. And I know that everybody isn't going to love all of my music all of the time. So I have lots of different playlists. And that's how I kind of learn music. I, I just play something or I'll choose some things. And then I watch what my clients will respond to if they tap their toe or hum along. And I go, OK, this person likes this kind of music. You're <laughs> a nerd like me. I yes. love this. <laughs> and music has a great ability to inspire. And when it comes to fitness, 
lot of times folks are doing things that they don't want to be doing, and, and that's the reason that they've hired me to begin with. So if I can help lend um, anything extra to that process for them, even subconsciously, I'm going to do it. Yeah. No, I, I feel like music can bring people together in crazy ways. Like I was watching uh, the Temptations movie this past weekend. I watch it at least <laughs> once a month. This is one of my favorites. But I remember there's a excuse me. There's an early part in the movie where you have the se- uh, segregation. You know, mm-hmm. white and black people on different sides. And by like the end of the movie, segregation's gone. People are just enjoying the music. Like music has yes. a power that it, it's kind of encapsulated me in a way throughout my entire life. Like, I got, like, a little music note just above my head all day. <laughs> me too. But it's just, it's amazing that you're able to find your way in a new community where you're kind of feeling like as an outsider, but music was yes. laying in. <laughs> Did you also find that to be the contributing factor here in Peoria? I'm trying to remember back when I first arrived. Because you it got was... down here with the opportunity of WMBD, news, yes. TV. And so then it was, it was news. And it's very strange because I've had these sort of moments where I pulled back on the music um, out of fear, for lack of a better word. Fear? How so? Especially, well, sometimes I'm afraid to put it out there. I, I create my own music. I've written songs and books that always are in a drawer, and Greg keeps saying, please don't die with all that stuff in a drawer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got to let your talent shine. <laughs> um, in the past few years, I've done a few of what I call just one-woman cabarets where I tell a few stories and sing a few songs about my life. Uh, but... But I have these moments where I doubt myself and I go, oh, that's not really that good, so I don't do it. And then the other voice comes along and says, well, it doesn't have to be for everybody. It's for you. You put it out because it makes you happy. And if other people want to come along, great. That's the mentality that I try to hold on to on a but regular basis. But it is difficult. So that that balancing of, have you ever like actually analyzed the balancing of, ooh, kind of people pleasing, but at the same time internally, like, am I happy with that? Oh, I go through that all the time. I, I do a, also. I, yes, I have a service-driven heart. And so I've worked on many boards and with many organizations, and I have a lot of jobs in this community. You do have I, a lot of jobs. <laughs> because I love to give. And sometimes I do get depleted, and I go, oh, hey, Yvonne, girl, you're tired. You need to take a minute and sit down or go get a massage or just read a book or spend some time away. And I find it difficult to do that because I'm so service driven. So that's the dichotomy I have if I if I do have one is that I tend to give so much that I forget about me. And and I have a saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. And when my it's cup true. starts getting empty, I have to go, okay. But in those moments, I tend to go away. I have to leave the community because if I'm here, I, I love people and I love my town. And, and if someone calls and makes a request, I'm generally going to respond in the affirmative if I don't have anything else going on. If there's one thing I've peeped and noticed about you and the times I've seen you out in the community or I just rambling on social media, I'm like, she's always got a smile on her face. She always looking like best friend to everybody. <laughs> and then it could be draining because I go through that also. But do you also have the moments where you're doing the R&R TLC moments, but your brain's still thinking about, oh, but I could be working on this. Or did yes. you like turn that down now? <laughs> oh, I go back and forth on that issue as well. I mean, I I wouldn't call myself everybody's best friend because let's face it, everybody can't love everybody. I can love you from over there, but you know, not everybody. I can have love for <laughs> you. I can love for you. <laughs> That's a polite way of saying, hey, don't come around these parts. But I will not be rude, and so I, I'm I'm never gonna um, condemn or name call or ostracize yeah, in a way. It's just not my way. I will always be polite. I will always be cordial. Um, in a public setting, um, but we all know everybody can't love everybody, and I know everybody doesn't love me, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, that was probably one of the hardest things for me to come to terms with, that not everybody's going to really generally like me as an individual. Uh, I'm such a people pleaser. Like, I've learned that through therapy and everything, where I'm like, I just want to give, give, give. Did you ever have those moments, or was it always like, ah, it's okay, can't win them all? Of course, I've had a few, like, you know, growing up, high school years, everybody wants to be liked. But I'm really comfortable with me. I spent a lot of time alone when I moved to Chicago with my mom. Um, her sister ultimately moved back to Detroit, and so I was a latchkey kid for a long time. Um, in fact, that's a funny story as well. My mom had a system. I was to be back in our condo by 8.30 p.m. when she had a flight. She was a flight attendant for TWA. And she'd be gone for two, three days at a time sometimes. And she said, I'm going to call every night at 8.30. You be here or I'm calling the police to find you. 
sounds like so a I was like, mom. okay. <laughs> I had a certain number of meals that she had taught me how to prepare, some frozen dinners I had lots of. Um, this bill needs to go out on this date. She'd write the um, date in the corner where the stamp went, and then I would stamp it and take it. Um, and I only had three friends that she knew well that were allowed to be there when she wasn't. One of them was over, and that girl's dad, her name's Mary, she lives out in California now, we still keep in touch, her father came to pick her up. And usually dad was just honk and she'd run down, but he came up. And he said, you guys hang out a lot, and I've not met your parents. He's like, is your mom around? And I said, oh no, she'll be back in a couple of days. And he said, what do you mean, a couple of days? Yeah. And I said, she's on a flight, she's a flight attendant. And he said, but who's here with you? I said, nobody. And he said, well, you can't do that. And I said, oh, we do it all the time. <laughs> I didn't realize I'm getting my mom in big trouble by having this conversation. Um, but back then, it, I mean, even now, like, yeah. you get a baseball bat and a sock yeah. and a rubber band, you got three shots. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's a Chicago yes. security system. And Detroit, you know. Like, yeah. This is kind of how we do it. We don't have money for a sitter. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he said, well, how about this? He goes, you go up and pack a bag and you can stay at our house. And I said, oh, no, sir. My mom said, 8.30, she's going to call. And if I'm not here, she's going to call the police looking for me. I said, I really need to be here. And he said, all right, then we'll wait. And so he waited. And my mom called at 8.30. I told her that Mary's dad was there, and he wanted to talk to her. Um, and he explained that this was not a good thing for an 11, 12-year-old girl to be experiencing. Um, and she said, well, right now I don't have any other options. And he said, well, is it okay if she packs a bag and she comes to my place? And that began to continue. When my mom had a flight, I would pack a bag and I would go over to Mr. Swearingen's house and then Mary and I would hang out. She had bunk beds. She was in eighth grade. I was in seventh. Um, and we did that until um, the next sister moved to help take care of me. So it seems like you've always been on this uh, strong independence right. kind of vibe throughout your life. Yes. And so there were so many. My mother is one of 10 kids and I'm the oldest of... I lost track at 65 grandchildren. And our 65 grandchildren? There's, there's a lot of us. One of my mom's sisters has 10 kids. So there's, there's Greer's everywhere. You just have a huge family. That's a big tree. <laughs> but there was this sort of undercurrent. Of course, we can't provide for, we can't give everybody everything. And so you're going to have to step up and provide for yourself in some cases. And so I learned quickly on when I was 15. My mother said, look, I'm having trouble affording you. Um, you're here with me and happy to have you, but I'm going to need you to get a job. And so at 15, I owned one blue suit. <laughs> I put it on. I went to State Farm Insurance. I answered an ad for a telemarketer, and I got a job working in insurance when I was still in high school. <laughs> Yo. It's so funny. They, my birthday was coming up, and I said something about going out with my family for dinner. And they're like, oh, how old will you be? And I said, 16. <laughs> they said, <"16." laughs> That's all the adults, 45 plus, like, hold on, wait. How long you been here? they were like, well, you're going to need a work permit, and you can't work past 7 o'clock and all of these rules. So I changed my hours, but um, those folks still hold my insurance today. <laughs> what would you say were, like, the biggest life lessons that you learned throughout your journey so far, having to be independent on so many different variant levels, just because that's how life dealt you? You know, that's the cards that you had. When you must, you can. <laughs> I like that. People say to me all the time, I don't know how you do it. You do X, Y, and Z and this, that, and the other. And I just grew up from a place of, if, if this is something I must have, then I better figure out how to get it. And if you must, you can. It's funny because as we were coming into the studio to do this interview and sit down and talk, we passed by uh, John Riley from, mm -hmm. uh, was it Drive, I think he's yes. on? Amazing guy. Love him, he's too. Awesome. But he looked at you, he's like, you went through this, this, and you still got a smile? You're like, yep. Like, it, <laughs> it's a carry tune. I do cry, but well, I try to smile more. <laughs> I mean, you're not a robot. You have to be able to express those. I, I know I've learned that through therapy where I'm like, I was still kind of am if i feel the emotions coming on i try to stop it i'm like no we're good because i've been conditioned so long that i'm not supposed to cry but as i'm learning to accept those emotions let those tears out i'm not as stressed i still am but i still have moments where i'm like okay i let out the frustration or angst or whatever i had to get out have you seen them afterwards you have that 
expressive emotion. You feel yes. a little bit calmer. I, I will admit I am guarded about how I let those sad or negative emotions come out in front of others. I will cry easily in front of others if um, there's a touching moment in a movie um, or someone shows someone else a great kindness um, and it may remind me of a kindness that someone has shown me. But in my times of um, what I might consider personal shortcomings or I've inadvertently done something to cause harm or um, financial distress. Um, I don't want people to to see me cry when I'm feeling embarrassed about myself and what oh, I do. So you're very empathetic, but at the same time, guarded with showing that raw emotion, I guess, would you say? Yeah, so like my studio flooded. My um, I own Power Zone Personal Training Studio. And Plug, get it out yeah, there, get out there. And over <laughs> Christmas, um, I was really busy with shopping and wrapping and dinner for family and all of that stuff. And I, I really want people to, to know that I'm thinking of them. So I tend to overdo at Christmas time, but I hadn't gone into the studio and I'm somebody who goes into my studio on a daily basis, whether I'm working or not. And for whatever reason, I kept putting it off. I was like, I'll be in there. And I, I did leave the heat on and I knew that, um, and I left the uh, water on a little trickle like the water company said, but it was just so cold over Christmas this past year. Mm -hmm. And I went in the day after Christmas just to work out on my own and water was coming out of the ceiling in three places. That was the, and that was the moment, huh? That was the moment. And it was almost surreal for me. And I, <laughs> I screamed to Greg who was still parking. I'm like, babe, we flooded. And he thought like the toilet overflowed or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when he came in, he was like, oh, and we shut off the water and God love him because I was in a, a state of shock at that moment. I'd never had an experience like that. And he was like, all right, we're going to need some shop vacs. We're going to need some garbage bags. We're going to just everything. He went into work mode and I was like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, but long story short, it took a long time to get the renovations done. And we weren't back in action until almost June. Dang, so I went from lot. Christmas to June with zero business. And for you, someone that has so many hats and so many responsibilities and so many different venues are getting who you are out, that how was that feel? But that was my hat. That was the hat that I built. That, Even when you said that, that, the eyes got wide, so I knew you took that as like a personal yes. tough. And so this this was my baby. The, the fitness piece of my life has been the thing that I created. Um mm. And went after on my own. Power Zone's not a franchise or a chain. It's it's mine. Um, and so what was mine was now gone. Um, and I wasn't sure at the time if it was going to be temporary or permanent. But I knew the implications of the financial loss it was going to represent for my family if it turned out to be permanent. And even now, it's choking me up. I didn't want to do that to Greg. I didn't want to do that to my kids. I was like, oh, God. This thing that I give so many hours to has to be fruitful for my family. Or what have I done it for? You put a lot on your back. I do. I would give you a tissue, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't in the I'm funding. <laughs> it's not in our budget you know, this semester. <laughs> <laughs> but Greg was very supportive. Unfortunately, we made it through, and I'm back in business again. I'm not where I was, but I'm coming. I mean, there's a few takeaways from all that. I think the first is... It's something I battle with whenever I come up short, even if I don't have control over it. I have bad anxiety. So if something happens I have no control over, like you can control that. That's mother nature. Right. That's that's just it's out of our hands. But coming from someone like myself where I'm like, but what if I would have done this, this, this? Yes. What if I would have pre-planned this, this? And then I go into overthinking mode and then overfeeling mode and then breakdown mode. And it spirals. That's just that's a little bit of me. But I think the biggest thing I've learned from all that is whether the milk is spilled or not, let's get a new gallon. Let's just move forward. Yeah. Has that been a challenge for you to kind of like turn that? But this, what about this? What about this part of who you are? Because I feel like you're an overachiever to like the 20th degree. <laughs> I have moments where I I sort of drown myself in my sorrows. I drank a lot of wine when, <laughs> when that studio <laughs> shut down. I won't lie. Um, but I'm also an eternal optimist. And, and so when I wake up in the morning and I go, okay, I don't have this, but what do I have? 
Um, I'm also the marketing manager for Prairie Home Alliance that runs 10 home improvement companies across central Illinois. Well, I still have that job to go to, so I'm going to do that. I'm still chair of the Peoria Civic Center. I'm going to do that. I'm going to see if I can be of greater, ser greater service in the places that I still touch. So you, yeah, but that one area of your life was just that magnified because it's something very personal to you? It was what I created. I've been a fitness instructor since 1994. At the time, I was a Jazzercise franchisee. You did Jazzercise? Yeah. My mom took me to do Jazzercise back <laughs> in Chicago. It didn't work, clearly. <laughs> I may have to talk to you. We might have to do something. Get this belly fat down. My mom liked you afterwards. Um, it was a UMI that I discovered it. I was working with a woman in the office. And, you um, Did you do the big Jazzercise event at U of I back in like 2008-ish? No. Because I remember going to that. Because by then, I was here in Peoria. Oh, I was about to say, we met. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. We would, you met a young Ross, and I was just, <laughs> hands up. But my friend said she wanted to try this jazzercise thing, and I was like, okay, I like aerobics. I like music. Let's do it. And we went three times a week over the summer. And when my friends came back to campus in the fall, people kept saying, what did you do? What did you do? I'm like, what do you mean, what did I do? I didn't you do dance. anything. You did really, But you had muscles. <laughs> I was like, I do? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, and I seriously, I was just going and having a good time and supporting my friend Ellen. I was not at all thinking about what was happening to me physically. Um, but I enjoyed it. And I was like, well, if, if I'm getting great results at something that I really just like doing to do, that's a cool thing. Um, and then when hmm. I moved to Peoria, um, what was that, December of 90, I saw, oh, there's that Jazzercise thing. I wonder if it's the same as what I did in Champaign. Well, it turns out Jazzercise anywhere is Jazzercise everywhere. They send the same routines to instructors all over the world. Yeah. So I was able to catch on quickly. And at the time when I first moved to Peoria, I only had the one job as a reporter for Channel 31. And so I had all of these extra hours in my day. I was like, what do people do only have one job? <laughs> so I would go to Jazzercise like two or three times a day. I would take classes. Just so I would have stuff to do. Well, when you go that often, at least for me, I was able to memorize the routines. Mm. And there was a moment where the instructor was on stage and she couldn't remember the next move. And I could show her from the of back. Course. Of course. <laughs> I don't know you well, but I know you well enough through this conversation. Be like, I got gotcha. you. Don't worry. <laughs> and the owner saw me do that. And after class, she said, how did you know how to do that? And I said, oh, well, the formula I figured out quickly. I said, during the verse of the song, you do these moves, and then during the chorus of the song, you do these moves. There's usually something else that happens at the bridge, and then you come back to the chorus to finish. But that's music. Yes. That's music. And Structuring so just, away. Yes, they just put movement to it, and so I link the two up, and they fit in my brain. Like Jazzercise. <laughs> so that's kind of how you operate on a daily basis. So I became basis. an instructor, bought a franchise, did that for four or five years, um, and I was in East Peoria at the time, wanted to expand into Peoria and got into some disagreements with the um, district manager about where I could physically locate. And then I said, well, if I can make money for you, then I can make money for me. I will leave Jazzercise and I will create my own thing. And that's how Power Zone was born. Power Zone came out of, okay, if I, what's the saying that you had? If I can, I will. If you must, if you, you mu can. Ah, there you go. So you in must, those moments, you if you so must, if you, you can. I, this is something that is a must for me in my life. There's no if, no ands, no buts. I've decided. I've cut away all other opportunities. I must have this. Then you can get it done. But it's in those moments where we go, um, well, maybe. Hmm. I take a lot of passion in what you're saying there because that's the story of my life. Like uh, from 08 till now, I've been nothing but radio. I saw this is what I wanted. This is what I was going to do. I can make this happen. And everybody's like, no, make sure you have you know, outliers, all that. I'm like, no, I am fully dedicated to the thing I'm passionate about. So what's been your biggest passion in life? Oh, that's a good question. You like that random transition? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was going one way, but nope. Welcome to the Mexican Oprah. How you doing? <laughs> um, I am passionate about so many things. It is actually troubling to me to harness one or two or three. I mean, I... It's like creative ADHD. You're like, I could do this, I could do that, I yes. could do this, I could do I that. Mean, I don't worry about dying. I worry about dying without doing all of the things that I want to do. 
Oh, so I don't the, know that there's enough years on, on the timetable for me um, to do everything that's on my list. So, like, your fear is being unfinished in a way? Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Because I feel like mine is being misunderstood. Very, I mean, it's it's different in a different way, but... Uh, I don't... I don't like being misunderstood, but I don't mind it. See, I dislike being misunderstood so much because I like—I feel like I—I I have such a heart to give out. I'm like, no, just this is what I really mean. But that's my own baggage that I gotta <laughs> take care of. But that's amazing though that like you have this passion just to do. Where do you think that stems from? I don't know where that would have come from. I mean, I—I I, I look back to my growing up formative years. Um, and I've always just been a kid that, like, if I'm interested in it, I try to learn more about it. And then, just oh, I'm curiosity. interested in that, too. I'll, I'll learn some more about that. Hmm. That's interesting. I love learning about different people's perspectives of how they operate. And for you, it's just, from what I'm seeing on the outside, just somebody that just has a lot of energy and gumption to do a lot. And if you can, you're going to do it. Like, it's just. I do. I wake up running is my, my saying. You said my that even earlier today. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and that just means in my mind, it's like when I get up, it's go time. But um, like you were talking about being misunderstood. I'm, I think if there's one misunderstanding about me that people think I get up every day with this idea that I'm going to conquer the world and be known for doing all of these things. Yeah, I don't and get that I, vibe. I don't. Like somebody called me very competitive. I'm competitive with me, not you. I don't get that vibe I, I, from you. I do the things that inspire me, mm. and there's so many of them. There's not enough hours in the day to do them all. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely don't get that vibe. Where like you have this uber competitive nature, or like your name needs to go on the plaque or your face here. I get more of the um, what, what's the verb I'm trying to find the um. It's like a kid's wonder in the eye. You ever see a kid look at like That's a what playground? I feel in my heart. That's the world what I is get my from you. Like I, every time I've seen you, and there's been times where I see you, I just wave at you. But you just have like this look, like you're just in thought, thinking of like, okay, what can I do with this? Like a kid in the candy shop. Yes. That's the that's the vibe I get from you. Where where is that from? Like who kind of helped you nurture that? Um, I think I might have been questioning why other people didn't because I've had opportunities like the internship opportunity when I told my mother I said like, well I'm gonna have to move to Peoria and she was like you don't have a car she's like and TV station are they gonna put you on TV you don't have clothes for TV <laughs> she said when are you gonna tell them no oh and I was like what do you mean tell them no this is what I'm studying, and I'm going to have an opportunity to work in a real newsroom with two radio stations down the hall for four months. But in her mind, from where we came from, we just saw what was stopping us from doing those things. Like a more realistic standpoint, right. like, hey, financially, logically, but you're more like... And sometimes I'm just like, I must, okay, I will. Yeah, let me figure out what it is I want to be, do, have, and, and don't let the things that might stop me get in the way. And one of the jokes that I tell to Greg, I have lots of ideas, and sometimes I share them, sometimes I don't. I share them with him. But in the professional world, sometimes I express a thought or an opinion or have an idea, and then I get brought back with all the reasons why it can't be done. And I'm like, if I, if I took the time to come to you, I want you to figure out how to help me get it done, not tell me all the reasons I cannot do it. Like, here's the golden nugget. Yes. Find the sliver of hope that we need. <laughs> like, yes, figure like, something out. There, there's a way. This I understand that there are things that could be cumbersome. I don't mind a challenge. But what I do mind is being shut down at day one. No, that idea will never work. I love I want it. I really do love your mentality of like, okay, here's the creative thing. Let's 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 workshop this. Come on, guys. Yeah. Let's put a little bit of energy into this. Hmm, that's interesting. Cause I and remember, I'm not so pie in the sky that I think everything's going to work every time, but give it a shot. But creative, creative individuals that have this necessity just to create. If there's an idea, let's workshop it until it's, we realize yeah. logistically it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that transitions into all the hats you wear in this community, all the different positions you hold. So let's go through what are the different things you do here in Peoria. Okay, so my, my job jobs are 
Power Zone. Power what Zone. what I do early in the morning to um, afternoon. And then uh, the second job is marketing manager for Prairie Home Alliance. And then I do that three afternoons a week until uh, four or five. And then um, I call it the the job within the jobs. I'm chair of the Peoria Civic Center. Um, and that position is really 24-7 access if I'm needed um, for whatever reason. Um, but that's not a paid job. But it's still a job. Yeah, oh, sometimes the unpaid jobs are more jobs than the real jobs. Um, so those are the big those are three. The three big ones. So we talked about power zone. Power zone, yeah. Power zone. Okay, that's your baby. That is you've that's twirled and everything over. That's <laughs> I yours. I clients individually and then small groups and in large groups. Um, I get to know them. I get to know their bodies. I'm also a fellow of Applied Functional Science. It's just another level of fitness training that I have. Ooh, what is that? It used to be that um, if I was training somebody and they would say, oh, my knee hurts, I would go, okay, well, stay away from that for a moment, but I, I should probably have you do some more squats or lunges to strengthen the tissues around your knee. Mm -hmm. Well, Applied Functional Science has taught me that every muscle and joint in the body moves in three directions, front and back, side to side, and rotational. Hmm. most humans spend their days and nights and everything in between moving front and back. Our bodies get conditioned to do that. But every now and again, you've got to turn. Every now and again, you've got to lean sideways. And in moments like that, if your body can't adapt, it's like a truck that drove through a field, the same path, the same path, the same path, and then it tries to turn off. There's a kaklunk. Mm -hmm. And that's like your muscles. You did a kaklunk. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> or, you know, your feet could be flat or your shoulders could be rounded or. That's my you, problem. I you was could like, oh. wear, you know, bifocals off the end of your nose. And so your head is always jutted forward. And then consequently, that extra weight of your head on your neck jutted forward is now going to pull your shoulders into a rounded position and give you what we call a kyphotic or um, hunch, hunchback spine. You like and how then, I just put my shoulders up? <laughs> and then that's going to make your low back swing backward and make your bottom stick out back. And that's going to flatten your feet. And it can go from the bottom up. If you have flat feet, it can cause all of that stuff back up the chain. Did that you just like is... pick me apart? Because I feel like I got all that. Like... <laughs> no, that's the, common, that's the commonality. As, as people oh. go through life, that's the common occurrence that happens to most of us. Or like you Unless, sit at the desk and work. Yes. Sitting at a desk forward moving we sit in the car we forward move you know it's it's we sit we stand and move forward so sit, what got you so forward. passionate about health and and fitness and learning all this first it was just liking it it was okay if if i can do the things that i need to do in a way that i love to do them maybe i can help somebody else find it as well i mean i have people that will hate it all day every day but I make it tolerable <laughs> for them. <laughs> the music and the oh, personality. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. okay, if you're talking to me and we're laughing and I'm doing this, I can, hack, I can hack it. But if I'm in my basement and it's just me, I don't feel like doing it. Oh, no, I, I did the DDP yoga for a little bit, lost some weight. But I was hating it because it was by myself. Now, I'm at, I love it enough to do it by myself. Ah, see, I like it. I don't love it. I think that's where the issue is. I love going to a dog park. I hate going on long walks. <laughs> but that's okay. So this is your your bread and, and butter. Your passion is the fitness, and and now we transition into Prairie Home Alliance. Is it? Yes. And so fitness and communications have always been sort of my dual careers. Um, when I was at Channel Thirty One uh, the first time, because I went back a second time. Um, just a few years back. When I was there the first time, it was news. Then I left TV land and I joined Greg, and he was my radio partner for 10 years. We worked here in Peoria, WMBD. We did afternoons, did mornings, then um, moved to Chicago and worked at WLS, did some uh, fill-in work. You worked at WLS, too? Yeah. <laughs> I love WLS. <laughs> it oh. was fun. It was really great fun. Um, but for us... It was, a, it was a big jump for us, and our daughter was just two and a half years old. Um, about nine months in, we did well. Our ratings went up, but they told us they were going to move us the shift to 10 to midnight. Um. And I was like, oh, but I got my girl at home. I'm already struggling with being here and, like, having her be with sitters until, because we were 5 to 7 was our original shift, 5 to 7 p.m. And I was like, I don't, I don't really like having her be with sitters so late into the evening. 10 to midnight's going to crush me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um and um, the, the manager actually said to me, well, what's your mother doing? <laughs> I said, my mother's working every day. What's your mother doing? 
<laughs> What's your mother now. doing? Like, why are you asking me these questions? Like, she lived behind I'm me. I'm her mother. Like, yeah. come on. That's your responsibility as a um, mother. Yeah. We asked for a moment to think about it, and Greg said, well, okay, I'll do the show, and you stay home with our daughter. I said, okay, I'll do that. Uh, the station said, no, you can't. <laughs> he um, said, we hired a team. You work as a team or you leave as a team. So you left as a team? So we left as a team. I admire that a lot. Greg got his real estate license. I still had my fitness certifications in my pocket. They were still active. I went and got a job at Lifetime Fitness. Became an instructor, became a personal trainer, um, and then became head of the group fitness department with a staff of 35. Did that until I got pregnant again, complicated pregnancy with my son, and then um, Midwest Communications, which was, I think, JMP radio at the time, called Greg and asked if he would come back. And I went, well, I can't work because of the complications with my pregnancy. Radio is what you love to do. Yes, let's go back home. Was that hard at all? Like, just letting go of radio in that moment? It was hard for my ego, but not hard for me knowing what was best for our family. I mean, I knew that radio has always been a passion for Greg since high school for him. Um, it was not as big a passion for me. I didn't have a, a need for it, if you will. Um, it hurt my feelings that we had been a team and nobody asked me to come back with him. Yeah. Um, but I got over it. It's okay. Um, I understand that everything doesn't work for everybody. No, um, that, I mean, it's amazing that you're able to have that clear distinction like, hey, baby, this is something you love. Go for it. It's something I'm hurting with. But the communication aspect comes in because I do like your guys' dynamic. Like from what I've been able to see, you guys look like you work very well together. <laughs> we do, and people uh, would ask all the time, "How do you work with your wife? How do you work with your husband?" It was like putting on comfy slippers. I mean, it, I've always had that type of relationship with him. It's like we communicate very well together. We work well together. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we try to help each other, help cover each other's backside as needed and encourage and support as we can. Well, yeah, it's like that moment that we uh, just talked about not too long ago about, you know, the pipes busting and all this. And in the moment, you know, it was a breaking point for you, but he comes in, he's like, no, I got you. Were you, <laughs> were you need a moment for yourself? Let me figure this out. And well, then it wasn't even come that back. I needed a moment. I had no idea what to do. I'm looking at all this water <laughs> and I'm just seeing my livelihood go down the drain. I'm like, ah. <laughs> no, but that's, you know, having... A good best friend there, which uh, helps you out a lot. That's awesome. So that's your story. I didn't know that you worked at WLS because I knew. Um, we followed Rowan Garrett. Rowan Garrett. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of sounding similar. Um, who did I know that used to work? Fogel? Dave Fogel used to work out there for a little bit. I know that name. I think Tommy Edwards had a stint out there. Um, Gary Spears also. It was tough for us because we had a manager at the time, and I think enough years have passed that I could speak about this publicly. We had a manager who was grooming us, in his words, to be the next Don and Roman. Oh. That's why we dropped everything and went, because we went, this would be the opportunity of a lifetime to do mornings on a flagship station like WMS. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's iconic that station. That person moved to Boston. So it's like the rug got so pulled on the person who was grooming us for this position was no longer there. And then the new person that came in did not see us as the next time. <laughs> oh, so would you attribute, now just picking at straws here, you can tell me if I'm off base, but would you attribute you having so many hats and abilities to have an income, but also have an outsource for your creativity into that moment of life where you're like, hey, I never want to be stranded out because of lost opportunity? That is, I think that is, always in the back of my head. Multiple streams of income is a very good thing. Yeah. <laughs> if one goes down, I've always got something else so that the well doesn't run dry. Um, but my drive is really more just about my interest in creativity. So my work in television, when I went back to MBD the second time, um, that show was a lifestyle show, but the interview portions were um, paid advertising. And so essentially the client would come in and go, okay, I'd like to promote this. Can you do an interview with me about that for a, a fee? And that's what I would do in the middle of that show. Hmm. And then COVID hit and the news director was like, okay, we can't be doing lifestyle show and paid programming in the midst of this pandemic. Can you switch back to news? And I went, okay, I love news too. So we did that. And then on the backside, we created this hybrid um, 
CI Newsday, Central Illinois Newsday, which is what it is today. But it was in doing that work, Prairie Home Alliance was one of the clients, um, and their individual companies would come, and I would interview them. Oh, interesting how things kind of just line up in life. (laughs) And so when the owner came to me about a year and a half ago and said, I'm going to need a new marketing manager, would you be interested? He already knew my work on the other side of the lens. And honestly, I was hesitant. I said, I, I don't. I don't do the other side of it. And he was like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> that you got a good personality, you're a hard worker, and eh, the rest can be taught. And the crazy thing is, is now I, I meet with um, all of the people that I work with, like on the sales teams and the TV and radio stations. That's now who I conduct business with, but on behalf of Prairie Home Alliance. Is it? Do you ever stop? So Br and, just, and I have known each other for twenty years, oh, but BR. he holds our account. <laughs> Br calls me the love bucket, and I have no idea why. <laughs> that man always got jokes. But have you stopped to look at like your life path so far and be like, "Oh, this led to this. This had to happen. This was like a canon event that had to happen in my life in order to get to where I am now." There have been moments that I think have like shot me in the different direction. The first was my friend that asked me to go to Jazzercise. Because has she not done that? Or you said no. Or I said no. I don't know that fitness would have had much of a role in my life. Because I had no, <sighs> like, I'm going to go work out thought today. None. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a thing in my life. I had gym class, and that was it. Hmm, that's interesting. But the thought of organized fitness, and strangely enough, even after um, I became a Jazzercise franchisee, I didn't explore outside that realm. I just took the routines that they gave me and I replicated them in front of Mike's class. When you give up your franchise at Jazzercises, I don't know if it's still the case today, but um, there was a, a clause, that non-compete clause, that said you couldn't teach aerobics anywhere in the state where you held your franchise, which I thought was crazy because a squat is a squat is a squat is a squat. <laughs> um, like, it I, is I what it is. I don't know put a non-compete on that, but, <laughs> but granted, they, they chose specific music and they chose specific routines, so I can understand somewhat why they would put that clause in there. Hmm. But over the course of that year, I thought, well, what am I going to do without this for a year? So then I started studying. And then I got a group fitness certification from the American Council on Exercise. And then I got another one from somebody, and I got a couple of personal training certifications. And then I did kickboxing, and then I did yoga, and then I did Pilates, and then I did TRX. And so it just kept building. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much more out here than pre-choreographed routines. What haven't you done in the fitness world that you still want to do? It sounds like you've hit Uh, everything. I'm terrible with kettlebells. Oh, well. Real bad. (laughs) Is it coordination or what? Something about my grip. My wrists get beat. <laughs> they just get beat up when I hold that. I don't hold it For well. Real? I just, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Dang. So is there anything like any? I don't CrossFit. Cro- oh, I heard CrossFit's intense. It's very intense. Uh, I, I, I do it because I love it, and I know how to get the results that I want and the results that my clients want and doing what I do. I'm not knocking it. It's just not my thing. It's Running's just... not my thing. I'll do it if I have to because it burns a lot of calories in a short amount of time, but I don't like it. I think that's what I need to start doing. <laughs> I'm kind of on the couch potato vibe right now, you know what I mean? Um, Just got to have a reason. I got to have somebody invite me to jazzercise, <laughs> and then my life path is going to change. But you can do that in your living room. Put on, I mean, you've got all the music in the world. Turn it on, dance. That's, that's true. No, you're right. You sound like my sister right there. She's like, just do it, Ross. <laughs> I'm like, all right, fine, Nike, get out of here. Um, but all this is, is it amazes me because I'm like, you just have this natural gumption that all like, oh, what's that? All right, let's do it. All right, what's that? But then how did you end up with the Civic Center? Ooh, um, former Peoria Mayor Jim Artis called me one day and asked for a meeting. And I said, sure. Uh, and then he asked me if I would serve on the board. And I was like, well, why why me? I mean, to me, the people that were on the Civic Center board and, and these, in these positions of authority in our community when it comes to civics and, and city government, I thought were much better equipped than I to do those types of jobs. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a personal trainer, and I occasionally do a news story every now and again. Oh, underselling <laughs> yourself, I see. But he, he said he liked 
my work ethic. He had seen the work that I'd done, and he's like, I know how busy you are, and you always still manage to get things done well, and so I think you'd be a good fit. Great. So I started out on the board just as a non-voting member. I do like the system that's set up. You start as a non-voting member, and then if somebody goes off the board who's a voting member, then you become a voting member, and another non-voting member gets appointed. Um, and then I became the secretary, and then vice chair. And then a year ago, I was made chair, or voted chair. Mm -hmm. um, usually a chair person only stays one year, but because we have so many things going on at the Civic Center right now, we've got over $47 million in capital improvements that we need to get done. Many of them have already been, be un many of them are already underway. And so we as a board thought it would be prudent if we all just sat tight and watch some of these things progress. And so we have the same chair, the same vice chair, the same head of our finance committee, the same head of our capital committee, the same board structure exists that existed last year. So we can try to see some of these projects through fruition. Now, I, I know you have an EU coming out Friday, right? Uh, you're doing an EU with Greg yes. and... Greg and Andy Driscoll deconstructing downtown. And normally I, I release this on Wednesday. So I wonder if we should lightly talk about this and promo it for like, hey, if you want to hear more tune in Friday to you want to do that? Or would you rather just talk a little bit and then we release this Friday? Um, I would rather release after theirs. Though. Okay, Only because cool. I'm going, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go home no, at some point. I want to make sure you're good. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to step on any toes. <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, Greg is one of the last people. I want. He's been amazing <laughs> to me. So uh, we're talking Wednesday. Uh, big news just came out. Uh, you did an interview with Greg and who was it again? Andy Driscoll. Andy Driscoll. So we're talking about the Peoria Civic Center and the new things that they're doing. Can you inform me a little bit on this? Oh, gosh. There's so much happening at the Peoria Civic Center right now. So the previous chair before me was Matt Bartolo. He was able to secure a $25 million grant with the help of uh, our state representatives, Dave Kaler and Jahan Gordon Booth, um, for $25 million in a Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity grant. That is a mouthful. Yes, it is. DCEO, <laughs> I'll say from there. There we forward. go. <laughs> so we have this $25 million grant, but we have $47 million in capital improvements that we need. The place needs a new roof. It needs new carpet. The parking lot needed to be redone. We needed new heating and cooling towers because the Civic Center also heats and cools um, City Hall. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and if you'd ever been on a day when it was raining, you could see the buckets all over the Civic Center, which is not great form when entertainers are coming to town. It's like, seriously? It's a bad look, <laughs> yeah. It's a bad look. Mm -hmm. um, but all of these capital improvements needed to be done, and so we were able to secure through the city of Peoria another $20 million in bond funds um, so that we can get a lot of this stuff done. Oh, so big changes are coming to the actual big infrastructure so of New retractable seating in the arena, new sound system, um, a new scoreboard is in the works. I mean, just... Lots of wonderful changes. Just an update into um, 2023, 2024. So with that, putting the shine on the place, um, we are seeking a community partner, if you will, a business community partner. Uh, we put out a request for proposal for naming rights for the Civic Center, and so we're hoping someone will come on board and join us in that endeavor. Um, what else is going on? Oh, uh, Jah Jahan Gordon Booth also helped us secure a $500,000 grant for our um, seed investment fund. Um, and it's designed to help broaden our entertainment options at the Civic Center. One of the criticisms that I got when I became board chair was that the, the Civic Center doesn't do much for the African-American community in Peoria. And I asked questions. Well, is there any validity to this? If so, how do we rectify it? Um, and what is really enlightening to me is learning about the entertainment industry and how acts come to Peoria. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer like you plunk a chunk of money down for uh, Beyonce and then Beyonce says yes and she comes here. There are promoters that are involved as middle people. Yeah, layers. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so those promoters are really the ones that um, our general manager, Rick Edgar, will communicate with about certain acts. The promoter takes most of the risk. In Peoria, our demographics, our numbers of physical bodies hasn't been large enough to attract those large appeal artists. Oh. And the promoter's like, I'm not sure I want to take a financial risk if you don't have the demographics to prove it up and make this a financially profitable concert. 
So what were the demos and what are they now looking like? I couldn't tell you exactly what those okay. demos are, but I can tell you what's been happening. To date now, like some 60% of ticket sales are coming from communities outside the Peoria area. 60%? For some shows, yes. So that's like, like Bloomington. Like 90% of people are buying them online. So people aren't coming to the box offices anymore, which is why we have reduced hours at the box office. Um, but we understand that depending on the artist or the act or the convention or event that's here, people will travel to Peoria. And if they're traveling to Peoria, they're sleeping in our hotels, they're eating in our restaurants, they're spending money at our museum and our riverfront market and all of those things. So the Civic Center is not just an entertainment hub, it's an economic driver for the community as well. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people firsthand coming in from out of town for exhibits, fairs, Comic, uh, it was a comic book convention yes. like a couple weekends <laughs> ago. Yeah, I saw people um, in uh, what's it called cosplay just walking around downtown. I'm like, yo, this is cool. Like, the Pokemon convention. Yeah, I did. I saw a bunch of people and I almost like just nudged there, like, hey guys, we getting Pikachu? Like, Illinois <laughs> music educators. Um, Bradley does speech tournaments here, uh, national speech tournaments happen here. So the Civic Center is the hub for us, so many different things. But getting back to that seed money. So what our, uh, John Gordon Booth was able to do for us through the state, also through DCEO, but through the tourism office, not um, for capital improvements, is set aside $500,000 for us to use as a seed fund. And by that, I mean we help mitigate the risk for the investors. We do our part in working with the promoter and trying to promote the events within and without of our community. So, hey, Springfield, Decatur, Champaign, Bloomington, Quad Cities, Monica's coming on August 19th. Yeah. You say you want these type of acts? Come on, get here. If we make money, part of that goes back into the seed fund to help mitigate the risk for the promoters on the next event. So would this be the first, like, not trial, but like a test to see if... Monica's our first concert coming up on August 19th, followed by Black Violin on October 20th. That's a group of guys out of Florida. One of them lived in a rough area. Mama said, I'm not losing you to these streets. You're going to take violin took violin, yeah. um, enjoyed the classical training that he was getting, but wanted to bring some of the music of his neighborhood to it, so they put a hip-hop spin on classical music. Really? Yeah. What, when is that again? That's October 20th. It's called Black Violin. Black Violin. Oh, I'm going to check that out. That's cool. I Next like that. spring, there's a, a Brazilian dance show that's on the docket. And so, Got my attention. <laughs> R&B, rap, uh, gospel, spoken word, dance, the things that we've not traditionally been able to do because there was too much financial risk, like you spend all the money and then nobody comes. The state has helped us mitigate that risk with the intention that we're going to do everything that we can do to make these shows successful. So we need the community to come out and support so that this fund will continue to grow. I like that. Now, can I ask a question of point of personal privilege? Yes. I've been watching some stuff on CNN. <laughs> point of personal <laughs> privilege. Um, so this past weekend, we had the Fiesta in Rio, and mm -hmm. I saw more Latinos than I've ever seen in Peoria. It, it was what, a great event. It was awesome. Shout out to Cristel and everybody that got us involved. It was She's amazing. Oh, she is. Yes, so she the then that is the next question. Like, would we be seeing any Latino thing? Yes, sir. Stuff that's also coming? Yes, sir. So we're, we're working oh, on it. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. So we're starting to see like an ex uh just an expansion in general for entertainment and culture and everything in Peoria, it yes. looks like. We're hoping. We're hoping. We're working at it. Mm. And what's your hope for the community well, with all this? And I will tell you this? that a lot of folks don't know this because I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but you sit on my committee. Hi, yeah. <laughs> I haven't made it public yet. <laughs> um, because we want your input. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I remember I saw that text. I was like, is she sure she's the right person? Because I had that same moment that you had that we talked about. We're like, me? Like, Well, I know you know music. I know your cultural background. And, and we want we want the voices represented. Oh, I, I, I greatly appreciate that. I won't lie. I remember I called my pop. I'm like, hey, guess what I got asked to do today? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know, bro. I'm going to figure it out with you. <laughs> but no, it, it meant a lot that you reached out and asked. Well, and we and, know we don't know everything. And so we try to surround ourselves with people from various aspects of our community, from various business backgrounds. Like just the makeup of the board is really diverse. And I, I love it. I just love it. Is it. Would you, is it, is it saying too much saying like this might be a, like a new passion aspect of your life where you're like, ooh, let's see where we could take this new 
uh, candy shop and see what we can start doing in this community? Gosh, I suppose, but but straight up, it's free. I mean, this is this is volunteer work. But I think that speaks more volumes to it, though. I. I don't know that I could sustain this level of volunteer work for much more than my next term because oh. <laughs> I was just voted back in. So I've got another year oh, as chair. But okay. um, at some point, I've got to say, OK, I've got to worry about my livelihood and I got a kid to get through college and all that good stuff. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. So the time that you do have that, you know, that you're in, you can. See I am you all in. Make. Yes. That's awesome, though. No, I'm happy to hear how the journey has started, where it's progressed, and where it is now. I mean, that speaks volumes to the individual that's sitting in front of me, the the passion you have, the the wonder in your eye to just, what can we do? I mean, that's led to a lot of opportunities in your life, it seems like. It has, but I'm, I'm always willing to learn and grow. And honestly, when I said yes to this position, it's because I wanted to learn and grow. Um, I mean, this year on, on, on the plate for our board is negotiations. I mean, did I think I would be involved in negotiations for the Peoria Riverman? Did I think I would be involved in negotiations for Bradley? Did I think I would be involved in negotiating um, between um, just everything that comes with this job? Most of it is new to me. And so I'm learning alongside people. I'm learning from people. I'm learning and growing myself as I help to grow my community. And that's can't even put a price on that. I suppose you could, but but there is a benefit. I mean, I make jokes about it being free work, but there is great benefit to doing such work. Yeah, I mean, how do you maintain your cool? Not like, I guess cool would be the wrong word, but I know when I'm doing things, it excites me. Sometimes I got to put my game face on. Like, you're sitting <laughs> in these meetings. You're things that you never thought that would be on your plate. Like, how do you maintain that level of cool? Like, like what am I doing like, here? <laughs> la- you know, excuse the French, but, like, how aren't you shitting bricks all the time that you're in those meetings? Like, oh, my man, like, yo, like, wait, this is what's happening behind the scenes? Um, I've got a great board. I really do. And they're very, very supportive. I don't think it's um, surprising sometimes, like, you know, I just have to flat out ask. I don't understand this. Can somebody explain this concept to me? <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> but, but I'm not afraid to say I don't know. And I think that works across all of life. If you're not afraid to say you don't know, there will always be somebody who rises to teach you. Hmm. On that note, two questions. Then we'll end the pod because we've been here for a solid hour. <laughs> I know you got a lot to get to. Um, we've heard what you've done, what you're doing. What do you got next? I would really love to explore my creative side a bit more. Um, music? Music. Yes. Books. Um, when my daughter was little, I wrote a series of books called The Adventures of Honey Bumpkin. Honey Bumpkin. <laughs> I like the name. You sold me already on this. <laughs> and um, they're you know short little children's books. But I put some music in there. And I would sing a song. I created songs that sort of told the story or complemented the book. And so, for example, one of the songs, one day we were eating lunch and I made her a turkey sandwich and some um, carrot sticks with some applesauce. She ate her food, and then when she finished the applesauce, she put the little plastic cup on her head. (laughs) And I said, if you put it on your head, it's it's your hat. And I said, and then I stuck it on her foot. I said, if you put it on your foot, it's a shoe. And then I held it to my mouth. I said, if you drink it up, it's a cup. What else can we do? <laughs> and so the imagination song was born. And so that song complements um, a story about taking a break from the playground, going home and eating lunch and using your imagination and then fostering that. What can you do with anything in your life? That's true. You know, that made me think of for I don't know why, but like the cadence remind me of remember Lamb Chop? The yes. Lamb Chop song? <laughs> I grew up watching that. Or the song that never ends. Like, um, but that's awesome. Like, I would love to see that. I would love to talk to you once you start getting into that more full force. Because I feel like that's going to be such a switch. That creative side see, is going to be amazing. The easy side for me. It's that, that little voice in my head that says, girl, you can't do that. That says, now what? So now I have to have the books published. I have to have the music produced. Hmm. I don't 
I read music, but I can't write a score. I can hear the whole song in my head, but I don't know how to tell a musician how to play it. Wow. Did you ever think that maybe where you are now in life might be the canon event to launch into that? It's possible because I do know more people now than I did when I created the books and songs. And in Peoria, if it plays in Peoria, plays anywhere. Plays the There's a yet. lot of musicians in this community that I'm starting now to meet and I'm like, hey, like there's a lot of talent in this town and it just amazes me. So my last question I like to ask everybody that sits and has a conversation with me, this is your story. These are your gold nuggets, things that you've experienced, your your trials, tribulations, perspective, everything. When your story is done, what do you want people to get away from it? That I believed in the best in all of us, that I worked for the best for all of us, and I expected the best to come back to me in return. All right. I like that. Um, if anybody would like to get in contact with you to help or to Prairie Lions, maybe, uh, was the fitness again? I'm sorry. Power Zone. Power Zone or anything else. How can they get a hold of you? Yvonne at YvonneGreer.net. All right. With that said, it's been another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm Ross. Alongside me, Yvonne Greer. Dot, 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 Baden. <laughs> Go back and listen to all the other episodes. If not, we'll jazzercise in front of your house till you come out and listen to a couple episodes. All right. You take care of yourselves. We're out. Bye.